Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We want to be like Daniel in this day and age in which we live. We want to be like him. And if you want your faith to be one that is unshakable, know first and foremost that he loves you and that he cares about you and that you can absolutely trust him. Get into his word, study his word, read the word, meditate on the word, apply the word, put it into practice, and just hang out with him. That's what prayer is. If you stop and look around you, it's not hard to see that we live in a culture and society that is becoming more and more godless each day. It might not be as outwardly hostile as we saw ancient Babylon to be, but we still face an opposition in both the physical world and in the spiritual realm. In today's message, Pastor James reminds us of our dependence on God for the strength that we need to face whatever it is that we're up against. We may not be in the lion's den like Daniel was, but we need God just as much as he did. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Matthew chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. family and people, we disappoint each other at times. That's just how it goes sometimes. But there is one who who really never does disappoint, even though sometimes we think he does, but he doesn't. And that's Jesus. You keep him number one. You keep him number one, and then, man, the rest falls into place. So you can't serve two masters. Just devote yourself like Daniel did. He trusted in the Lord completely. He committed his heart to following the Lord. He gave himself totally, completely over to following the Lord. That's where you have to start with, that you trust him. The rest of this uh, portion of scripture that I want to read through, it just goes right on. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. You can see how that would apply to Daniel in Daniel chapter one, right? Get stolen from home. And here, this is a truth that would apply to him. It applies to us today. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than some birds? Yeah. If you don't know the answer to that rhetorical question, the answer is yes. You are way more valuable than birds, okay? Birds are awesome. Birds are cool. But Birds are not people. They're not, okay? God loves birds. God made birds. We don't have birds unless God created them, and he's going to feed them. The birds are his responsibility, and so are you. He said, don't worry about this stuff. Which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to your life? You can't. You need as much as you want to worry and all that stuff. Why do you worry about clothing? Think of the flowers of the field how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? You people of little faith, poquito faith, little faith, right? He's like, 
Trust the Lord. Trust God. Don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the unconverted or the Gentiles pursue these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So then do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. First step in being like Daniel is trust in God. Trust him. Stolen from my home. Now I live in a pagan society. All these Gentiles all around me, they don't worship God. They don't eat like we eat. They don't dress how we dress. In fact, they're even changing my identity. They're giving me a new name. They're trying to indoctrinate us and reprogram us. That's what they were doing. Daniel wasn't going to waver within his faith because he trusted God. He trusted God. He was able to say no to some of the delicacies within Babylon and eat just like vegetables, which is okay. I like vegetables. Maybe not that much, but I like vegetables. And it wasn't about being a vegetarian. I hope you understand that that's not where that was going. It wasn't about that, but it was in his commitment to, to God that he excelled even in eating vegetables, him and his buddies. And they came out looking like all the more better than everybody else who was like throwing down all the processed food, right? And Nebuchadnezzar's like, dude, what's wrong with you guys? And these guys look awesome. Well, we've been eating our veggies. Okay, there you go. But they trusted God. Even though it could have cost them their lives, they trusted in the Lord. And he came through for them. You and I can trust in God. What are you worried about? There's plenty of things to worry about. I get it. I understand. But I would encourage you to submit those things to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares onto him because he cares about you. Take those worries, take those concerns, take that anxiety, take whatever that stuff is and just lay it at his feet. Lay it at his feet and then slowly back away. Slowly back away. Tomorrow you probably have to do the same thing. But just get good at it. Just get consistent at it. It's never a one and done thing. Lord, here's all my cares. Here's all my concerns. Here's all my anxiety. Whew, glad that's over. I spend the rest of my life never worrying again. That's not true. Because then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, they're back. How'd they get back on me? Like, who dropped these things back onto me? The picture within that verse is, and I think I've told you this before, but the word image that's used there is it's like a boulder, those cares, those concerns. It's like a boulder. And we roll those onto Jesus. And sometimes they roll back onto us, and then we roll them back onto Jesus. And the more you do that, the stronger you get, and the smaller that boulder gets. That's why he lets them roll back onto us sometimes. You going to give them back to me? It's like a weird game of catch, right? You're just like, what? I don't want them. I don't want them. Yeah, and then some weird ways we embrace them when they come back, right? I don't know what it is. People are interesting. It's this daily struggle for me as well. But you give them to him, give them to him, trust in the Lord. The second thing is we got to know his word. We have to know his word. Daniel, I think, excelled within Babylon so well because he knew the word of God. 
He knew the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 and verse 17. This is a familiar verse. It says, every scripture, every verse, every scripture is inspired by God or is God-breathed, okay? And useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person, what, dedicated to God or devoted to God or fully committed to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. You got to know the word of God. You got to get into the word. And not just you getting into the word, but let the word take up residency within your heart and your minds. You got to know the word of God. There needs to be like somewhat of a list of promises within the word that you can just pull up from memorization. So when the storm clouds come in or when that big boulder rolls back on top of you, Indiana Jones style, like, and you're just like, this is too big. You got to be able to pull something out of your heart. You have to. We have to. Because if the day ever comes where they like confiscate all the Bibles, take all the Bibles and burn them all, how much scripture do you have stored away within your heart? What if they come through and lock up all the Christians, throw you in a jail cell, and you don't have access to a Bible? What are you going to do? How much of this treasure have you stored up within your heart? And this is why we should be, I'm not saying this stuff's going to happen, but it's a really good incentive for us to start memorizing scripture. Store it up within your heart. I mean, there's a reason, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the videos of when Bible smugglers smuggle Bibles into countries where they're not allowed. And I mean, these people are like, if they can even just get a page from the Bible, they take that. What do they do with that? They memorize that entire page of the Bible, because they got to take that and store it up within the heart, because they know that they can't hold on to that page, because that'll get them in a lot of trouble. But I may not have it physically, but you better believe it's in here. And those individuals, man, they, they find such peace. In the midst of turbulence, they find an abundance of peace because of what they've stored up within their hearts. We have to study the word. There's a reason why there's women's Bible study. There's a reason why there's men's Bible studies. There's a reason why, I mean, we are so blessed within America. I mean, I'm looking at an iPad right now, and I have hundreds of Bible translations on my iPad right now. You may have noticed I'm not teaching out of the New Living Translation. I'm going out of the New English Translation tonight because I like that one, right? I do. I love the New Living Translation too. They're both good translations, all right? I get it. They're different spectrums. That's fine. But I can pull up any translation I want right now off this iPad. We are so blessed. So blessed. Store it up in here, though. Because they can take it all. But they can't take this. They can't take what you have stored up. Nobody can steal that from you. Look at um, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This is a, the, obviously the biggest psalm in the book of Psalms. And look at verse 9. We're just going to read through this little portion here. 
concerning the Word of God and us knowing it in the power of the Word of God. It says, how can a young person maintain a pure life? By guarding it according to your instructions. And please understand that when it says your instructions, it means his word, okay? With all my heart, I seek you. Do not allow me to stray from your commands. Again, commands, the word. In my heart, I store up your words so that I might not sin against you. You deserve praise, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Again, statutes, word, right? So it's just different ways and saying there's different definitions. I get that. But essentially, we're saying the same thing. With my lips, I proclaim all the regulations you have revealed. I rejoice in the lifestyle prescribed by your rules as if they were riches of all kinds. I will meditate on your precepts and focus on your behavior. I find delight in your statutes. I do not forget your instructions. Jump down to verse 18 real quick. Open my eyes so I can truly see the marvelous things in your law. We need to know the word. And I hope that you would have a a hunger, just a desire for the word of God. It wanes sometimes, right? Like some seasons you're going really strong. And then the other seasons, it's just like, I'm just walking through a desert. And it doesn't matter what I read. It just all just seems so dry sometimes. I get it. But you have to keep on going. And you keep taking it in. You just got to keep taking it in. And in those seasons when it feels like, man, I'm just not getting anything out of this, can I just encourage you to push pause on whatever plan you're going through? If it's a daily Bible reading plan and you're just like stuck in the doldrums, like the wind's not blowing, you're not moving kind of a deal, push pause on that and go to a familiar passage of scripture that is so near and dear and cherished by you and just hang out there. It's okay, but if I miss a day, who cares? Who cares? It's going to be okay. God's not keeping track, all right? He's not keeping track. You're not going to stand before him and be like, well, you were doing good until that pastor told you not to read that day and told you to go and read something else. It's still in the Bible. That's not how it works. We just need to sometimes, I find myself having to do that where it's like I'm reading through the word. I just have to push pause. And I'm like, you know what I need to do? I just need to go hang out in the Psalms today. I just need to hang out in the Psalms today. And that's what I do. I need to go back to this person's story, Lord, and how you use so-and-so and and all that stuff. I jump around a lot because there's seasons which I go through where it just feels like, well, I read it. I can't really tell you what I read, but I read it. And it's like, I don't want that to be it. I want to have a heart just like this. I want, I want to store up this word in my heart. I want to find delight in his word. So just don't get so, so rigid in your Bible reading, okay, if I can say it that way. And one way to, to avoid that is, you know, even before you open up your daily Bible reading, and maybe you got one of those daily Bible reading books. I have one of those daily Bible reading Bibles where, you know, it's set up for every day and Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and a proverb. Even before you crack open that thing, just to pray. Holy Spirit, I just want to hear from you today. I just need to hear from you today. But we need to know his word And the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and he wants to get it from here, from our brains, and into our hearts. 
And then the third and last thing here, to be like Daniel. If you want to know how to be like Daniel, you got to trust the Lord, you got to know his word, and we have to be people of prayer. We have to be a praying people. Philippians chapter 4, if you don't mind. Philippians chapter 4, I think I taught through this book. Probably wasn't even that long ago. But every time I turn to it, I'm like, it's such a good book. We should teach through that book. And I'm like, well, I think I already taught through it. <laughs> Stop. You're already in a book. All right. Philippians chapter 4, classic verse here concerning prayer, verses 4 through 9. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay, let's scratch out that verse because he's not aware of our circumstances and situations, right? So it doesn't apply. No, no, it applies. Could that have applied to Daniel in Daniel chapter one? Yeah, it did apply to Daniel in Daniel chapter one. Could that apply to Joseph back in the book of Genesis? It did apply to Joseph back in the book of Genesis. Well, but certainly not Job. It applied to Job. And guess what? It applies to you and to me. Well, I don't like my circumstances. Well, didn't say you have to like them. <laughs> he just said rejoice. Not in your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And this rejoicing within the Lord, man, it really kind of frames a good prayer time between you and the Lord. And I know there's going to be times when I go to pray to him, and there's not a whole lot of rejoicing going on within my heart and my mind. It's probably actually more complaining. And you know what, though? He still listens to me. He still takes time for me. It's amazing. God's so good, so amazing. But verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, again. I mean, he repeats it. I say, rejoice. Let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is near. So in these days when the Lord, we really believe that the Lord is actually near, Make sure people are seeing your gentleness. That goes for non-believers, but that also goes for believers, okay? You shouldn't be this mean old curmudgeon, right? Get off my lawn kind of grandpa guy as the Lord is coming near. It's like, you know what? I don't need to worry about my grass right now because Jesus is coming back. Hey, why don't you come and hang out with me on my porch, right? Like, chill out, relax. The Lord is near. Rejoice. Celebrate. Let your gentleness be seen by all, is what it's talking about there. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, so I love that, don't do this, but do this, okay? The Bible's really good about that. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, this petition is uh, presenting these requests to God, Petition with thanksgiving. That's the element I think is sometimes missing from our prayers. If you find like your prayer life is kind of like weak and slightly anemic, have you added thankfulness into it? If you've ever uh, baked anything, I like baking stuff. I always have. My pops on my mom's side was a baker. He baked all the time. He served in the Air Force, and I think he was a cook or a chef maybe in the Air Force. I'm not exactly sure. I think he did, though. So he baked all the time. He cooked all the time. My grandma on that side, she cooked all the time as well. So it was almost like one of those things, you grow up with that environment, and it kind of, 
kind of catches, right? You get the bug. Growing up as a super poor kid, uh, we didn't always have snacks in the house. So it was left up to us kids to like learn how to make stuff. Like you wanted a sweet treat or something, you better figure out how to make that. Because we didn't just have like boxed brownies and cookies and stuff. We had to scrounge together ingredients. And I don't know how we did it, but as kids, we always figured out how to do it. Our main one was, uh, and this is simple enough, a piece of toast, butter, and cinnamon and sugar. Oh, man, that was the best. It still is. It still is the best. But that's a poor kid's, uh, man, treasure right there. Um, I, I don't know how many loaves of bread I ate with that stuff on there. But you learn to do those types of stuff. But in this baking realm and all that good stuff, if you leave out an ingredient, you don't have the best thing. Something's gone wrong, right? And you walk away slightly disappointed. I'm telling you this right now. If you leave out thanksgiving out of your prayer life, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. The model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples has thanksgiving built into that prayer. But my circumstances, I know, but you've got something to be thankful for. So... Thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding or all comprehension will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We want to be like Daniel. And I think that these are three keys to Daniel's life. If I've studied through it and you and I will walk through the book of Daniel, you'll note these things as well, demonstrated and lived out within his life. He trusted the Lord. He absolutely trusted God. He knew the word of God. There'll even be a reference in the latter half of the book of Daniel and the prophecy stuff where he consults, he kind of goes back to the word to get these exact dates down that he knew were coming because he knew the word. So he knew the word of God. He was a person of the book. And he was a man who prayed. He was a guy who prayed. And I'm, I, don't, I may go out on a limb here, but I think what we just read through Philippians chapter 4, I, I have a feeling that that's kind of how Daniel prayed. Stuck in Babylon, serving under these crazy leaders and these weird circumstances and all this stuff. And the other guys around me, not my buddies, not the three guys who are my buddies, but the other guys who are Babylonians who hate me are constantly breathing down my neck. But I think I'm going to go to the Lord. I think I'm going to rejoice. I think I'm going to be thankful. I think I'm going to make all my requests known to him. Why? Because I know he cares about me. Because I know he cares about me. So we want to be like Daniel. In this day and age in which we live, we want to be like him. And if you want your faith to be one that is unshakable, know first and foremost that he loves you and that he cares about you and that you can absolutely trust him. Get into his word. Study his word. Read the word. Meditate on the word. Apply the word. Put it into practice. And just hang out with him. That's what prayer is. It's having a conversation with God Almighty.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of Daniel together, and it's quite an interesting book to cover. From fiery furnaces to strange visions to having a faith that goes against society enough to be thrown to the lions, the book of Daniel is anything but boring. In fact, we hope your faith is spurred on because of what you read and learn in this book. If you need to hear this message again or would like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come and visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. You can also get directions there. We're excited to meet you and spend time in worship with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Daniel and gear up for what's ahead in this prophetic book. It's almost like a roller coaster ride where you're not sure what's around the next corner, but what you'll come to find out is rather thrilling, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.